This is Cassian. And today uh, we continue the second episode. Um, let's get personal with Dan Kayo. Hi, Dan. Hello, boys and girls. Hi, Dan. Um, since we started the first episode talking about your relationship and breakup, right? So before we start um, the video, because I have lots of questions to ask about that video and all about you and your ex. So I want you to tell a little bit more about yourself and what you do for a living. All right. Well, uh, you know, I live in uh, Mount Holly, North Carolina in the United States. I, uh, you know, I have made some short films. I've, you know, done Blu-ray uh, unboxings on YouTube. I've been on podcasts. I've, um, you know, just done little things like that kind of on the on the fringes of filmmaking and entertainment but i'm trying to do the next thing that'll hopefully help get me more visibility i actually figured out that an older video that i made where i unboxed all of the child's play movies um i discovered that it was like it had like 1300 views out of nowhere and it wasn't even that which is not like a humongous amount relative to your big YouTubers, but it's my most viewed video. And I was like, why? You know, there's nothing about it that's especially extraordinary. Um, it was a fairly ordinary video, but could be. I mean, I think the, the thumbnail probably helped, but also like maybe because there was a Child's Play TV series that was announced and maybe it, the algorithm picked it up, uh, something like that. Uh, but I just noticed that I was like, why was it about, what was it about that video out of all the ones that I did, you know, why was that one the most viewed? Because I didn't think it was particularly extraordinary, but there you go. So what that told me was, because I hadn't posted it, uh, an unboxing or anything in about a month or so, but then seeing that video get, you know, a good amount of hits relative to anything else I did and without having had to try, I was like, well, you know, maybe more people liked what I was doing than I thought. And so it's like, you know, maybe don't give up on it. So, uh, you know, this that I recorded those videos in an older setup before I had like my light here, uh, before I had my nice uh, webcam and stuff. So it's like I might be able to record straight to the computer. I might be able to, uh, you know, just kind of do like a 2.0 version of what I was doing. Uh, you know, just kicking that around in my head just because out of nowhere, just this random video got a good amount of views. Yeah, I I, I mean, I, I saw because uh, Dan uh, have a YouTube, uh, not just YouTube channel, but he ha has a Facebook. And he advertised, uh, you know, um, in lots of groups, uh, the YouTube channel and everything. And when I see it, I remember because my six years old son loved child's play movies, right? And and I was like, oh wow, I, I should show David because he he loved it and he always asking me like to have um, like a set of DVDs for him to watch anytime he wanted, right? And with your YouTube channel, you are showing all the whole collection, so. Yeah make him so interesting because he's like, I don't think I saw that one because he never see exactly the DVD, how that look. 
is only the, 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 the movie, you know, like um, the cover of the movie in the TV. But he was like, I want that one. Like he was, <laughs> and I'm like, wait, wait, because I'm getting Freddy. <laughs> so, you know, uh, mommy gonna get that one. But it's it's very exciting. And I think there's lots of fans of Child's Play. I'm pretty oh, sure. Certainly. And, um, you know, but what that told me was that, you know, because I've done... I've done so many different kinds of things with that channel and with the kinds of stuff I've collected and I've shown off. Like, uh, I had something that I think I was the only one who found it interesting, but I did like a bunch of custom Blu-ray covers that either I designed or ones that I found online. And I thought that they were significantly better than the ones that they came with. And so, or maybe I found the, the disc only on eBay and, oh, this doesn't have a cover. So I'll take the opportunity to give it a better cover than ever, than it ever had a chance to have before, you know, and I would show off some of those and then other things, it was, you know, stuff that I was collecting that maybe it wasn't the latest and greatest, but it was just stuff that was interesting to me. Um, so I've tried a wide variety of things and the child's play movies and stuff like the newest one was the 2019 one with Mark Hamill, which was about a year old at the time that I showed it off, but that wasn't like the main focus. It was just showing off all the movies together. So you just never know what's going to take off. Um, but I think what I'm going to do, cause I haven't really, uh, I haven't really been collecting as uh, as robustly as I was because I did it predominantly to build my collection back up after having ha had to sell so much of it, um, you know, to support myself and my ex-fiance and look how that turned out. So I, you know, spent a lot of time and money kind of getting it back. Um, and I was taking the audience on that ride, but now that that's kind of done and I've had to slow it down just to, you know, make sure I have enough money to take care of the cats and stuff. Uh, you know, it's like I'll probably start it back up, but I'll do it in a different way where I maybe devote, you know, uh, videos to like reviews of certain series that I have all of them and be able to show them off and, you know, talk about them in that kind of way. Like there's a, there are a couple of YouTubers who do it in the way that I see it in my head, but I would hopefully be able to do it with a snazzier setup like I have now. Yeah. So if you guys watching this video for the first time, you guys missed the first one, you guys should go check around the first video because um, Dan mentioned that he's, he's a movie director, he was an actor, a writer. Uh, what else then? <laughs> uh, actor, writer, YouTuber. Um, you know, just trying to, I mean, it's not my day job. My day job I've spent in various, like, marketing jobs, uh, you know, and uh, that's what I do uh, for my day job. But, uh, you know, I'm hoping to uh, continue to improve, you know, as a filmmaker and as a, uh, as a writer, you know, just hopefully something that will kind of help culminate all my various experiences together. Um, and... Uh, but yeah, and I'm also just happy to be involved in these sorts of things, kind of, you know, participate in some real conversations with real people. Yes, I know. We're getting very personal, right? So um, we did a video talk about his um, relationship with his fiancée, right? So today we have a plenty of questions that uh, I put together and uh, to let you guys know exactly 
right there, you know, um, everything about Dan, his ex, and how he feel right now. So are you ready then? Yes, you and your crack team of experts who came up with this uh, very rigorous set of questions that I will attempt to answer in just a few words if I can. Yes, if, if you don't feel comfortable answering that one, you can say pass. Yeah. I would respect that, you know. Okay. So we want to know how you met your fiance. I met her, um, she was the writer, the actress, the showrunner for a, um, a fan web series called Asylum Origins Harley. It was a Harley Quinn fan series, which you can find on YouTube if you wish. I directed every episode, but it was such that because she was the main creative force, I was just trying to kind of execute her vision. Um, which is fine because that's kind of what I expected going in and I didn't, I was trying to learn how to, how to execute somebody else's vision because prior to then I had only ever done stuff that I had written and directed and, uh, yeah, so I was trying to figure out how to be a team player and how to not, uh, you know, just be pretentious like it's my way or the highway. I, I didn't want to be that. Um, that being said, you know, amidst all of the you know we met each other we dug each other you know presumably fell in love and then you know the show is done and then you know the relationship breaks up and looking back on it it's like i don't regret the experience i wasn't really happy with how it ultimately came together in terms of editing because i feel like uh if we'd have had a different, you know, different cut or whatever, that it might have reflected more of what I put into it. Um, but we did, you know, have a lot of challenges on the show. We did some cool things. You know, we did some stuff that I still say, you know, we we managed to come away with some interesting shots and interesting scenes. Like, I got to shoot in a pretty nice upscale, like, gentleman's club, uh, without anybody else, like it was before they opened formally, we just knew somebody who knew the owner and that kind of stuff. And it was like this really nice looking facility, um, that was really big and open and it gave me a lot of room to roam in terms of the camera and that kind of stuff. And it was nice cause I didn't have to shoot in like contained spaces. Like I tended, I've tended to have to do, um, just because, you know, you, have a low budget but it's like there it was like hey look at that some production value that makes it look like it's a bigger budgeted thing than it really is um you know so i was happy with just little things like that but it was more so like you know just wishing that we'd have had a different cut of the show and also you know that uh yeah i put so much into it and i thought that i you know had gotten you know the really great uh, I thought I had, you know, the love of my life as a result of it, and then it didn't work out that way. So, haven't watched it since, and don't really care to. But if you should, but I don't believe in, you know, censoring the past or anything. So it's like if you should wish to see it, then you can look for Asylum Origins Harley, and the full series is on YouTube. My second question is, what's her nationality? So she, uh, you know, was American, but from the, you know, southern United States, she, uh, she had, uh, her natural accent was more southern, 
um, but her one of her relatives that she was in the care of had kind of beaten it out of her pretty much, you know, saying like, you're going to talk with a standard American accent. And so she, yeah, eventually learned all of that. But uh, when she was around her dearly departed grandmother, who I knew before she sadly passed away, uh, whenever we were around her, I could tell that her uh, natural Southern kind of came out more. Um, and I sort of, you know, made fun of her for it a little bit, but like, in a loving way. Um, but her ancestry was uh, Greek, and then also her last name was Polish. So, you know, that kind of region of Europe. Polish, wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know, because uh, I, I actually I don't like my accent much. It's, and I think all Latinas basically have the same accent. <laughs> That's racist. <laughs> we all speak funny <laughs> uh, I, I don't mind it a bit I think uh, if you asked most people they would be like oh I love it <laughs> I know some people don't say I guess to make feel better <laughs> oh no I, I love it too nice. <laughs> okay so my another question is how long you guys were together in total so we met each other uh like uh when would that have been like november of 2017 that's when we actually met each other formally entered into a relationship around january 2018 and then uh got engaged in like uh june of 2019 and then uh she broke everything off uh november 2019 so it was about like a full two-year span between first meeting each other and uh you know then not being together anymore and you know we were physically together for a few months after that just to try to sort each other's lives out um and then after that i haven't seen her since uh around like maybe march of 2020 maybe a little bit before that but yeah i haven't physically seen her since then and i don't really want to so so basically, you guys from this night, uh, 2019 to uh, 17 to the 19th, right? Yeah, so Those about two years. years. I've been with uh, the father of my, my kids for over 20 years, and he never asked to marry me, so what the hell? There you go. Well, I, that's the longest that I've had any kind of relationship last. Um, you know, not that I've had a whole lot to compare it with, but, uh, you know, the uh, the only other, like, official relationship I've ever had only lasted a year. So, you know, it's, uh, I would like things to have lasted longer, uh, but then again, better to end things uh, after a short amount of time rather than have them prolong and then you get more and more miserable. Yeah, that's true. I guess sometimes there's guys that um, like to just get married and, you know, do the right thing or the ones that prefer to, as long as you're still like happy, you have that relationship, you just go along. It's not make it different, right? Yeah. Sometimes, like the father of my kids say that it's not a different, it's just a piece of paper. What's most important is like love, family and, you know. But every woman want to get married. Give me a break. Like, you know. Anyway. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, it's, uh, I mean, I would argue it's more than a piece of paper because what it is is like, you know, get on each other's health insurance and get, you know, various like tax benefits beyond just the, some beyond just the, you know, symbolic kind of unity of it all. Uh, and the, you know, what, you know, God hath put together, let no man break asunder, which doesn't stop people from getting divorced but uh you know it's uh it's like beyond all of that there's like real practical considerations to think about as well and i know plenty of people that they uh you know were in loving relationships and they were kind of, kind of unsure as to whether they should or shouldn't get married and then they ultimately decided to get married just for those practical reasons and they're like yeah why not you know get on each other's insurance and get the you know, married person's benefits and stuff, because at least in the United States, I don't know how it is in other countries, I would assume it's probably the same kind of situation, but um, the in the United States, if you're married, you get, you know, to all kinds of perks and stuff in terms of, like, taxes and, you know, um, when the, the pandemic with the um, stimulus, uh, or the, uh, yeah, the uh, checks that got sent to people, like, you got more money if you were married, you know, and that kind of stuff. So that's true. That's true. So um, next question is who break up the relationship was you or her? She did. Um, and she said that it was due to. Um, so what here's what happened. Um, no, and wait, it, wait, 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 wait. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Wait, 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 because this question is based what you're just going to say. So yeah. who do you blame for the relationship ending and why and how that happened? Well, I mean, she was the one who explicitly broke it up. Uh, now, the exact reasoning for or, uh, the, something happened that uh, something happened prior to everything that is nobody's fault. Um, and it couldn't be helped, but it was just something that kind of sent her down this particular spiral. What happened was that the grandmother that I mentioned before, uh, she had a really, really close relationship with her grandmother. Like her Gosh. grandmother, her grandmother was almost like a second uh, parent to, or a, a, another parent to her. And uh, she had kind of a tumultuous um, life growing up um, in general. And so her grandmother was kind of a stabilizing force. Um, wait, wait, wait. Again, because stop the recording. Wait. Oh, no. Go. Go ahead. Okay. Um, let me start over. So there was a factor that occurred um, earlier on that started everything down a bad road and it couldn't have been helped because what happened was the grandmother that I mentioned before, uh, she was really close to her grandmother. Her grandmother was basically like another parent to her and really did raise her in like a very early formative time of her life. And um, the grandmother, um, you know, she had cancer and so she kind of unfortunately you know wasted away over time before finally dying um and i was glad to have known her in her last days and she really liked me uh the grandmother did and she thought that that my ex had picked a winner and that kind of stuff um but then her grandmother died and, it, and she didn't take it well uh it really put her she never got over the 
sudden uh, and unexpected death of her father um, at age 18. He died of a heart attack, and so she didn't, and she was still holding on to that, you know, that had been over 10 years prior, and then that happened again. And so she was not in a good mental state, but, you know, the difference is that, um, you know, she was uh, pulling away from me and pulling away from everybody once that happened, and I, you know, kept trying to comfort her and kept trying to do what I would want done for me in those situations where, you know, someone that you love, you know, dies or some other traumatic thing. I tend to want people closer to me, and she tended to push everybody away. And, you know, the problem is that, you know, she was, she only got worse over time, and also that, uh, you know, she did want to get married and she did, you know, agree to get married. But then as soon as she accepted the proposal, it was like a, a light switch went off. And uh, what happened was she got really, instead of getting closer to me, she got even more distant and even more, um, you know, like it was just for show. And, you know, then at some point, you know, several months later, it, the cracks were just starting to show. And, you know, I gave her the ultimatum of, you know, we need to fix these things in the relationship, but you need to tell me, you know, are you willing to do the work? Because I felt like I was the one doing all the work. And she said that she wasn't, that she was going through a lot and needed to take a step back. And, you know, the uh, she always tried to frame it up as like, oh, we may be, we may get back together, we may not. And you know, but just the way she did it uh, at that point, it's like I had sympathy for her as far as like the, you know, the death of her grandmother and how hard that was on her. And I, I still do, I don't begrudge her that part. The part I do begrudge is like you don't agree to marry somebody and then instead of getting more close and, and attached to them, you get, you know, more uh, distant and more kind of more selfish, more closed off. And and then you don't just kind of leave somebody you know holding the bag and you know and seemingly she seemed like she had like a big weight lifted off her shoulders um you know after she didn't want to get married anymore and then meanwhile i had to stay physically near her for several months uh seeing her see, uh, apparently more carefree and then I'm there, my world is just devastated. And, you know, so I, all the love that I had for her, you know, just went away like that. Um, and, uh, you know, so it's, it was such that I was like, you know, she kept saying it as if, you know, just trying to leave a back door open in case we could get back together, or whatever, which I knew wasn't going to happen because I think that she, saw an opportunity to, you know, become more potentially more famous or more, you know, have another avenue towards uh, success. And she didn't want to be bogged down by a relationship. Uh, plus, you know, and, I, and I'm not saying that the uh, stress factors with her grandmother dying and all that stuff, I'm not saying that those weren't real because they definitely were real. Uh, but it was just such that, you know, you would have thought that if uh, if the relationship was true and 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 that she really loved me and cared you know to see it all through that she would have done what it took to uh you know to make the relationship work and to trust me and to let me help her and that kind of stuff but she never did uh even prior to all that she you know 
she was never good about letting people in beyond like a superficial kind of surface level. And, you know, it's just, uh, it was very uh, heartbreaking and it was very devastating because I really tried my absolute hardest to make that thing work. And, you know, and the fact that for her, it just seems so easy to throw it all away like that you know, left me with a lot of bitterness. Um, but again, I, I don't uh, begrudge her all of it for the simple reason that the grandmother thing like that, nobody could help. And that's nobody's fault. Um, and obviously that would be hard on anybody. That's true. Um, now going a little deep, um, how was the sex life? It was... Uh, it was um, she was open mind or like how you guys do you think that could be one of the reasons or is something that that she used to don't be so open that you didn't like that or um i mean i think that you know so one of the problems with the relationship in general is that we both had different responses to stress, you know, to where um, whenever she was stressed out, she tended to shove everybody and everything away. And then for me, like I tended to want her around more and I tended to want, you know, yeah, that's kind of how I thought that love was supposed to be that, you know, you, something bad happens, you all rally around and you work together to solve the problem. And then she just, shut everybody out and also didn't want to be you know touched or held or anything and wanted to just you know watch tv and and you know especially towards the end before she like formally broke it off uh she would often like sleep on the couch by herself and you know that made me feel very very rejected um even before she formally said something and then once she did formally say something i was like okay well now i get it like she's trying to prime me for being aware that that's you know the new norm but it was just very devastating to me because I tended to be of the opposite orientation where I wanted to you know have the physical closeness and that kind of stuff now it wasn't always like that especially like in the early days she was much more receptive to all of like the you know the the physically intimate sides of a relationship and even beyond just like, you know, sex or anything, but like, you know, just being held and touched and, you know, the, the closeness and all that stuff like that really, and that means a lot to me, um, not really having had much of it um, in my life that wasn't, you know, smothering and wasn't um, parent, child, you know, that kind of stuff. And even then it was kind of um, not really wanted. Um, so to have it in that kind of cap uh, capacity was a very meaningful thing for me. Um, but, you know, as with everything else, it's like when that side of the relationship, when it was good, it was very good and things worked. Uh, it was just that, you know, she tended to be stressed out, you know, more often than not, and it only got worse over time. So, you know, she just, she wasn't really wired that way and it was very kind of devastating for me and I kept trying to figure out what do I need to do to make things better for her to where she isn't so stressed out where I because whenever she was stressed out her mind was a million miles away and I couldn't really um get her back down to planet earth and so um 
you know, it was just frustrating for me and because it left me feeling very kind of ignored and, you know, and then it would also be like she she would say, like, I don't want to be touched right now, go away. Or she would be like, doesn't she didn't want to be held at night because she would say I was making her too hot and that kind of stuff. So it was it was a lot of that. And it was not really what I wanted out of the relationship. And I think that it, at some point it became more than I was wanting to uh, to to take and I did eventually kind of write down a list of things that I wanted her to work on um, and also just some things that I was trying to work on myself but you know things that I, I I tried really hard to lay it all out there pretty clearly and if anything it made things worse and um, that was another sign that things were not going to end well and part of it uh, my mistake was that I wrote it in third person so I said, you know, yeah, it was like a list of do's and don'ts, you know, yes, you know, to Dane for this, this, and this, no to this, this, and this. And I wrote it in third person largely because I felt like she wasn't really listening to me. And also because I was like, if I had like that kind of authoritative third party that could like, you know, talk some sense into her, that that's what I would want that authoritative third party to say kind of as like, uh, as like a defense attorney almost, you know, and uh, that was partially my mistake because it kind of put it outside of like, this is what I want. It was saying, you know, I it was my attempt to be more objective with it, but I, um, you know, in my attempt to be objective, I, it, I kind of took the responsibility off of me and I should have explicitly said that this is what I want. But I didn't think about that until after I did it. Um, but I mean, just to answer the base question, yeah, when when things in the relationship, when they were good, then yeah, they were good because everybody was present. Nobody was, you know, thinking about other things and being a million miles away. Um, and, you know, that those are the moments that I miss the most or when, you know, we were able to just share uh, moments of like closeness and togetherness and that kind of stuff. Um, those are the parts that I miss and I, I want a person that will be able to, you know, be present, uh, a lot more of the time and will really value the relationship, you know, and not, you know, just being, not just using people kind of as a means to get from A to B. Do you think that, uh, sex in the relationship is very important or is just accessories? Uh, it's it's very important point of view it's very important um i mean so i think everybody man woman gay straight whatever you are um i think everybody if someone says that you know sex is not important in a relationship i think that you're you're probably yeah I was going to say you're probably lying but then it's like there are some people that skew more towards like the the asexual side of the spectrum but those people also tend not to be in relationships nearly as frequently but i would say yeah it's very important because what it means is that you know you're being about as intimate quite literally but also just emotionally vulnerable as possible and that can be kind of a that can be a scary thing and it can but you know when it works and you connect then it can be a very magical thing um, and it's, it's about like the most kind of 
base form of love that you can get. But that being said, you know, base meaning not like, you know, crass per se, but base meaning like foundational, because without it, you don't have the ability to make babies and to pass on the species. So you, it needs to mean something on that very foundational level in order for the species to get passed on in the first place. So, yeah, I, I think it's very important. And, um, you know, my, I felt like, especially in the early days, like, again, when she was mentally very present, uh, then things could be very good. And then uh, as she kind of got more detached over time, then uh, things felt a lot more... Um, penciled in and it was like well that's no good I don't like being an afterthought yeah I think so I think uh, as a woman point of view I think in lots of relationship and marriage I think the woman um, just sit and lay back when come to do with sex they think I guess they think oh I got him or we marry now you know he stuck with me. I think the woman have to wake up and think that you should look pretty always. <laughs> That's what I think. You should look pretty always and you should always try to be sex active because men in natural way, they always look another woman when, you know, that's their mainly being as much as a woman when see a handsome guy walking by, they do look at you. But there's a, a point is that he just look and say, oh, that's so nice, that's so hot. Or he think, I wish I have because I don't have home. Yeah. That's the two things. And that's make the dragging the man start imagining, thinking of other woman beyond just watching and let it go. But imagine I want it. I have it. And I think all the married women wake up and, you know, Pay attention the way you are looking because men always say in those jokes, oh, I marry one thing, I end up with another thing. This is already, they can say I'm joking. This is not a joke. They're throwing that thing because that's how they feel. They feel that you guys give up completely. And sometimes you don't want to be in the marriage just because the guy just give up and, and it's too much trouble to get separate or get divorced. No, you don't want to be in the marriage like that. You want to try to be happy. So one way or another, try to open up how you feel, how he feel. And men get afraid to say anything for women physically how they are because they know the woman going to have a big fit, going to put him lay down on the couch. <laughs> you know, going to be a huge argument. You cannot do that. You know, mm -hmm. I can say you cannot do that. Well, one thing that they say uh, from, like, the marriages that I know that have lasted, um, one of the common uh, things that ties them together, and it's, uh, you know, it's external, but also just in terms of an attitude, is the idea that the man and the woman, that they, yeah, they're together, but they don't let themselves go, they don't, you know, like, the, the ones that really work are the ones that the one or both of them that they still act like they don't already that they're not already married that they still pursue the other person romantically and they still try they still put forth the effort and that can be again through like keeping themselves like looking nice and taking care of themselves or just through an attitude or something like that 
Because, like, the thing that they always tell you, like, when a man gets married or whatever, that, you know, the woman tends to like to fatten him up, you know, and that he tends to not have to try as hard. And, but then also, like, you know, the sex probably, the frequency of which probably goes down is probably not anything great. And especially, like, after having kids, they probably don't really have much time or energy left and that kind of stuff. And it's like that... That's not really how I'm wired. I, I wouldn't do that. Um, but, you know, I can see why for a lot of people, why they would try really, really hard. And then as soon as they have it, then they're like, well, I achieved it. So now I don't have to try. And it's like, well, you know, I, I didn't, that's not really how my brain is wired. Um, and I was very, you know, so my ex, she, uh, she was very pretty and, um, you know, she did, uh, you know, do it for me, um, such that, you know, that I was, I was proud to have her, you know, by my side. And I thought, you know, how great it was that someone like this, you know, wanted to be with me and, you know, that kind of stuff. And I tried to, I always tried to be my, the best version of myself, you know, and, um, it's such that I would want to keep doing that, you know, for the next person, if not, you know, do it more than I, even I was doing then. Uh, but, you know, it's that when you don't try and when you give up and just kind of let yourself go, then I think that the it's it's the Woody Allen joke from um, Annie Hall. You know, I, I think a relationship is like a shock. It has to constantly move forward or it dies. And I, I think what we got on our hands here is a dead shark. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you don't want a dead shark. You want, you know, the shark to keep moving. Exactly. And I think there's some problems sometimes. Um, some guys... Um, they think, I, I mean, some of them, they think that, um, if they find a pretty girl, right? Good look woman, this, that, they don't like that either because then she got all the attention and then, you know, was a nightmare. Like the father of my kids used to hate to go anywhere with me, just go anywhere because he said, you the center for attention. I don't like people keep looking at you and, and I leave for a second and they already approach you. And it's like, I hate it. Go anywhere with you. And I'm like, why you want me locked up in the house just be like a wife and mother that's it so this is so suffocating too for a woman i'm sure because, yeah because i did not care what other guys used to say to me i did care what the father of my kid would say to me and that's what we wanted but they stop saying you look pretty they stop um make compliments or even um please you they stop doing those things right so look like they trying to drag you down to you know but uh like i said uh, some men is like that son feels so proud like i know somebody that have a um he's a personal trainer and he has a wife that is a, you know in the gym too all the time she wear the smallest smaller short the smallest smaller clothes and he feel proud he doesn't care she's showing off because he feel that's mine yeah, that's well, awesome. that, like that tends to be, that tended to be more my attitude because I was like, you know, hey, you know, you got a beautiful girl, you know, show it off. Uh, but also that, 
Yeah, I think so. A guy that would want everything kind of shut down like that, he's probably like very either insecure or maybe he's kind of vain himself and wants the attention to be on him. And it's like, well, that's, I don't know, that's, that's not really me. I tended to be kind of, you know, I had some social phobias and stuff that I have, I've since kind of worked through uh, more or less. Um, but it was such that like when I was with her, she kind of helped broaden my horizons a bit and you know she was she had the kind of personality that people naturally flock to anyway and it was like well you know that just helped me get some residual attention uh, and I didn't mind that she got most of it because in a way I kind of felt like I needed the help um, at that time and again it was like you know knowing that you know she came home with me it was like well who cares at that point it's like if anything that just makes me look better you know that she would want to be with me you know and i've i've known several like you know a a plus you know quality at least like externally if not internally but like for sure externally like these a plus quality women that you know had husbands that were you know not necessarily the handsomest guys but they seemed to do all right for them probably helped that they were you know well to do and that kind of stuff but like yeah, but it's more so like you know, having a beautiful woman around, you know, would make that kind of boost their social status quite a bit. It is sort of a stereotype of like the the not so good looking guy who is successful in whatever field, and then he gets the trophy wife or the uh, well, a trophy wife usually implies like a huge age disparity, which may or may not be the case in the examples I'm thinking of. But like, uh, you know, it's more so it's like, you know, the woman likes it's 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 a stereotype of like, oh, the woman wants money and the guy wants a beautiful girl. But like, but I, I do think that at a certain core that men are sort of wired to f be looking for a woman that is fertile, you know, in in some ways and some of those like some of those outward like sexual characteristics that would indicate okay this woman is fertile and therefore you know like that's what they're um they're very prime it's just hard hardwired in uh from years from millions of years of evolution you know that they're looking for a woman that would be potentially you know fertile and healthy and that kind of stuff and then the woman's looking for like the you know in the in primitive times it would have been the greatest hunter or the greatest you know person that could f defend the territory and that kind of stuff defend the tribe and uh nowadays it's you know does he is he able to support himself uh you know does he do well for himself you know it's the it's the stable provider and all that and of course there's a million different you know shades of gray in between those two things uh that's just on a very basic level i do think that that's kind of hardwired into most men and most women for very for very important kind of evolutionary reasons because it you know without it we wouldn't be here you know um and there's nothing i don't think there's anything wrong with that either with any, either of those inclinations um i know for myself you know having an attractive woman around you know for who loved me and was you know uh, wanted to be with me and stuff that definitely helped my self-esteem and it helped my you know just sense of like oh I really could you know get a, a woman of my dreams you know that kind of stuff uh, it wasn't beyond me um, and uh, you know so that kind of helped me want to be the best version of myself as well um, 
So, I mean, but that, that did help tell me that, you know, I didn't have to necessarily like slum it in the way that I thought I may have to, you know. Yeah, I think all the women's and men stop an excuse. And you women to say, I have kids, I have five children, five, mm -hmm. all born natural here. And I never let it go the way I look. You know mm -hmm. why? It's not just because for who I'm with it, but for myself. I want to walk in the street and feel like I still rock some eyes, <laughs> turning some eyes on it, because it does make feel to your ego, your own self-esteem. Oh, so yeah. It's very important. Don't think, I'm not doing it for him. No, it's for yourself. Don't tell me you don't like to look in the mirror and say, I like what I look. I feel happy and be like, I'm not saying like have the magazine body. No, it's not this. It's just you be happy what you see in the mirror. That's what I say for some people that I'm helping to work out. I said, if you look yourself in the mirror and you like what you see, I'm good with it. But if you look and say, uh, I wish I had this, I wish I had, so work on it, work on get what you want. Because it's not impossible, like I said, I have five children and it's not impossible to have the body or, you know, that you like, you're comfortable with it. I'm comfortable with the body skinny, but I have because I always was a ballerina. So I always try to keep that body because that's what makes me happy. At least it's something that remind myself, <laughs> that, you know, when I was younger. So I keep that way, but there's no excuse for men and women. So yeah. next question. Well, that, whatever it is you're doing, you just keep right on doing it because it's it's working for you in spades. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, what do you dislike in your ex? Oh boy. Um, well, I think uh, it's more. So, so here's the thing. So just you know, disclaimer. So. Every relationship you get into, you know, there's going to be adjustments, there's going to be things that both parties have to work on, um, and a person that you get, you know, will probably, yeah, there'll probably be things that you have to get used to and that kind of stuff, so I mean, a lot of the stuff that I wasn't, like, the happiest with, I thought, you know, well, maybe it'll sort itself out over time or maybe it's a problem with me that I need to adjust myself, you know, and that kind of stuff. So, uh, you know, take all of that with several heaping mounds of salt. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think the thing that I, I didn't, I, so both of the girls that I've been with, you know, they both, uh, tended to drink a lot. Um, and to a certain extent, I think people in general drink too much. I think especially people of like my generation, I've noticed just how many of them drink, you know, pretty uh, extensively. And I've never had a drop of alcohol in my life, uh, largely because of, you know, health reasons. But also, you know, even if I could do that, you know, all, all of the studies that I've ever seen, you know, like there was that study that came out just uh, maybe a few weeks ago that chronicled the there's a lot of alcohol over time damages your brain pretty heavily that's what they found out in a recent study uh, not just your liver not just you know 
contributing to cancers and that kind of stuff, but it also damages your brain. Uh, so I, because I don't drink either. So well, that's, that's good. Um, and there, I've just found that whatever kind of short term, so they call it social lubricant or whatever, but it's like, I found that whatever kind of social, uh, benefits you might be getting from it, it's like, you're going to be paying the price later. And, uh, you know, it's just you either you either are willing to make that purchase or you're not. And, um, you know, for me, it's like I just I have yet to see much of an upside to it. But I know that some I actually, you know, was kind of genetically predisposed towards alcoholism. And it was such that it it was never like she wasn't like a necessarily a binge drinker per se, but she just kind of needed to have alcohol like in small amounts uh, more and more regularly. Um, and it was, that's the thing, like it was fairly small from the most part. So it, to me at the time it felt like, oh, well, if she's, she's not like getting, you know, wasted all the time. And so it, it was, it was manageable. Um, but then, uh, there were times where I, she, she was a, a sad drinker. So when she would get sad, she would, uh, she would drink more and, the sadness would come out. She was not like a, a happy drunk or an angry drunk, which is, you know, what they always tell you. People tend to fall into one of those three categories. She was a sad drunk. And so when she was really sad, she would drink more and she would get really quiet. And there were times where I had to like kind of drag her home and it was very embarrassing. And uh, it got to be where, you know, she wasn't getting better and uh you know so i'm i'm glad that thing to a certain extent i'm glad that things didn't work out for that reason because um and my first girlfriend she drank a lot too although i from what i've heard subsequently i think she might have conquered a lot of her previous addictions which is good you know so more power to her um but like uh for my ex like it was it got to where it could be kind of embarrassing um and uh you know, even on the 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 fun, fabulous engagement weekend, it had to be cut short because she, uh, you know, got drunk kind of midday and was not able to really function. And I had to like drag her, uh, you know, f we were on a beachside resort and I had to like drag her across the long boardwalk and I, I got us, uh, I drove us home and she napped in the car for like a good hour or two. And then when she woke up, she realized that, you know, I had cut, cut things short to get us home. And then she felt bad about it, you know, for days and days after. And it's like, well, you shouldn't have done that in the first place then. Cause it was such that like people wouldn't let her on rides and stuff because she was noticeably intoxicated. And, um, you know, it was just, I, that's like the biggest thing because it, because it contributed to everything else. Um, and, uh, I will never date somebody that has any kind of substance abuse problem, uh, ever again. I just, it's too much to bear. It's too, uh, it's not worth it. And it, what it says is that there's just something wrong inside that they have to try to they have to try to drink away the problem and guess what? You can't drink away the problem. It's just going to get worse unless you deal with it. Um, and I just philosophically, that's just never been where I've, I, I've never had the luxury of drinking away my problems, but also, um, that's just philosophically not really where I am. I've tended to have to face harsh reality pretty head on. 
Um, now, I mean, I have my own issues, so I don't want to like, you know, act as if I'm perfect, but I feel like, uh, that was probably the biggest thing because it contributed to everything else. The other thing is I feel like she, so I've been, I have a friend who really is into, um, attachment styles, uh, like ro romantic attachment styles. And, um, so there's like someone who's healthy, there's a fearful avoidant, uh, there's dismissive avoidant and there's anxious attached. And, uh, I've tended to be anxious attached where like, I, that's where a person like had a lot of inconsistencies in their life growing up in terms of like, um, approval from their parents and like emotional availability from their parents. So they kind of have to figure out, you know, what do I have to do to, to get that kind of, uh, certainty and connection from parents. And so they end up becoming, you know, people pleasers and they tend not to have a great kind of ability to self-soothe and they need a lot of propping up and reinforcement and that kind of stuff. That's tended to be what I've had to deal with. And that, comes about from having had an uncertain kind of inconsistent relationship with one's parents. Like sometimes they're really there for you and sometimes they're really not and you never know which version you're going to get. For her, she was more of a dismissive avoidant where, you know, she wasn't really given much attention at all and was kind of neglected in a lot of ways. And so therefore they expect everyone to deal with their own problems. Don't bother me with your problems. They're hard to get close to. Uh, they've had to be in fight or flight mode for many, many years. And so they're not able to form close attachments and that kind of stuff. Um, and that was kind of what she had to deal with. Um, and I didn't find out about any of this stuff until after the fact. But, you know, I would definitely be not wanting to be with someone that was like that. You know, again, someone that would be present in the relationship and would you know, hopefully be well adjusted. I'm having to work on my own problems as far as like, you know, I have, I've had a tendency to be too like clingy with people, like in, even in friendships and stuff where I, you know, they've had to like distance themselves from me at least temporarily because of that. Um, and I've really worked on that a lot, you know, for a good number of years to where I'm a lot better at it than I ever was before. Um, I do kind of theorize that, you know, and, and the, the dismissive avoidant types, they're like the total opposite of that. They want to push people away. I suspect that the two of us kind of coming together, you know, probably rubbed each other the wrong way uh, over time. And so that was, I'm sure, partially a contributing factor to why she, uh, why she uh, pulled away. Because dismissive avoidance do that where they're they're present in the early days and then they pull away and then they break it off and then they feel relieved after they break it off and then after they've broken it off and after time has gone by then they realize just what a mistake they made and um, you know I, I think that that probably didn't help so some of those qualities I would not look for again. So then um, I have this question to know um i'm pretty sure basically the way i know a little bit of you but i'm gonna ask anyways when you guys used to have argument right how far she would go or you would go and like physically or how you guys would handle our argument 
So you're asking just how bloody did I make her face? Just how much of a monster was I? Or um, she did it. Who knows? Or or she could have. Well, no, it never ever resulted in uh, any kind of physical confrontation or anything like that. You know, I slap. No, nothing like that. And I don't I don't have that in my DNA. You know, I don't. Uh, I don't think that, you know, people are for hitting, you know, and especially not the one that you love. You know, I'm a very kind of gentle person in general. Um, if anything, like, I think perhaps she would have wanted me to be more um, just assertive as a person. And I, I've become more that way um, over time. You know, I, I've become more that way. Uh, I think that, uh, yeah, it never never got to blows and I that's just not how I I would never do that to someone that I loved you know because I would that's just not how I'm wired but as far as arguments like she she never hit me uh well actually no that's not true sorry um she (laughs) well she I don't even know if this counts because it was more so like she was drunk and she sort of like would miscalculate how much, you know, force to give a, like a playful, like almost like if you're pushing someone like, you know, kind of playfully, sometimes she would kind of misjudge the force, but that, I don't even think that necessarily counts. She missed um, <laughs> Well, not so much miss, but more like she just used too much force or whatever, because, you know, your judgment's impaired. Um, but, how uh, verbally? Uh, verbally, uh, we never like yelled and screamed at each other. It was more so like, for us, it was more like what didn't go spoken about until later. Um, and I, I don't really believe in like yelling, screaming arguments either, because um, I was on the receiving end of a lot of rage from my parents, and it made me not ever want to do that to the people that I love either. Like I tend to not ever want to um, to yell and scream and stuff. And to a certain extent, I almost wonder if my voice not having gotten a lot of practice uh, and also being kind of short, I, I wonder if that contributed to some of the way my my voice is sort of high-pitched, and I almost wonder if it was such that, like, I maybe I didn't exercise it as much because I, I was on the receiving end of so much, you know, yelling and stuff that I, I tended to be rather quiet. Maybe, I don't know. That's just a theory. But I we didn't really yell and scream at each other. It was more so like what didn't get said. And, um, you know, I if I had anything to say, it would usually be, you know, like I would be kind of strongly word something or I, I think I tend to take after my dad more. Like my dad could yell and scream, but my mom was my mom was like the real kind of vicious yeller and screamer. And like she could turn up the volume like crazy. It's partially why I don't really like, I don't like loud noises in general, but especially when it's the human, human people, humans screaming, I don't like that, uh, and she would do, she had a pretty loud voice anyway, um, and, you know, she, uh, well, I mean, you know, it's, well, but it's different, though, when it's, like, a relationship, when it's, versus, like, parent-child or whatever, I mean, if anything, the problem with Jill and I is that we could have probably gotten things out into the open a lot uh, more readily than we did. Uh, like, I don't have, if anything, that's partially my problem is that I haven't, you know, vocalized or the other person hasn't vocalized as much. Um, 
and uh you know but for us it was more so like things would get kind of strongly worded or whatever but it wasn't it we probably should have argued more earlier on so that way we wouldn't have gotten as far down the road and that way we could have ended it earlier um you know and that was my problem is that i kept trying to just figure out what i needed to do to make it make the relationship work and you know what what do i need to do um and that's a big problem with my attachment style is it's always like what do i have to say what do i have to do what's the what are the magic words to make the problem go away or to fix it or whatever and you know sometimes i guess there are no things that can fix it and so um i've tried to get better at that but um yeah, for me, I've whenever I've needed to express myself, I tend to take after my dad. Where my dad could yell and scream, but he mostly just, especially like as he got older, like he could usually just say something really, really sharp and pointed that could cut you pretty deep. And he didn't have to necessarily raise his voice, but he could do it in a way that really got to you. And you know, so that. I've tended to take after that a bit more, um, or I just uh, my I usually what I do is I just try to lay the cards out on the table, but, you know, I also try to have it or not be as many reasons to necessarily get in arguments, but maybe that's part of my problem. Maybe I need to just, you know, fight for my own interests more and, you know, screw what people think about it, you know? Yeah, I know. Like, like I said, you, you say you're not screaming. I, most of the Latinos is have very, uh, you know, bad temper is mm -hmm. they are very jealous. They are very like, don't, don't bother them because I, I, I confess I'm very jealous woman, but you need to give me some reasons. Yeah, oh, yeah. You need to do, I think you have to, like, I saw one video was a couple talking about, and, um, they said, they, they, they said that there's a reason why a woman is jealous and this reason why the man should know what would make her comfortable and ask her what making you comfortable to trust me to believe things normally when a woman asks a question sometimes right a man just say something but the woman finds something that don't match that answer and that's what always plant in our heads <laughs> and we think that whatever you're gonna say from now on is a lie or you know there's something there so we always imagine things in our heads like we take one little thing and we imagine the whole scene of a movie <laughs> what the guy are doing that's how it is so basically he said you need to find out what and why she's jealous then you can try to resolve and follow that to make her comfortable. And if you do pay attention to that, I know that the relationship is the woman would trust you, right? So you're so, saying so you're saying that women are essentially prosecuting attorneys that are trying to find flaws in your story and nail you so that way, you know, the jury will convict. <laughs> everything. And you know what we hate the most? is we have to ask you something that you mm -hmm. should tell us before we ask that question. <laughs> mm -hmm. So basically, like example, I'll give you one example. 
um, you are dating a guy and then suddenly um, the guy has some kind accept some girl in their Facebook, right? Some girl. Automatic girlfriends always know how many friends you have there. They know. They went through it. I'm sorry. I do. I go through all of it. <laughs> all the checkout, I check. So basically, when you add one more, she knows. And you should not wait her to find out. You should say, you know what, honey? I add that girl because I know her from my high school or something, something. Because when you let her know before she asks, she knows, oh, he's not hiding nothing. If you wait her to ask some question, that means she already processing you lying <laughs> something because you hide that from her. And you are, you are thinking that you're going to get away. And that's why, you know, we think the worst. So mm -hmm. remember, never wait a girl ask you a question. Say it right away because that's the way you're going to get her trust because she's going to know you tell her everything. Mm -hmm. No, don't wait. So that's well, the time. <laughs> for, well, for, for me and Jill, like, so, I mean, historically, I've never really seen much of a value for jealousy because usually uh, jealousy to me, well, let's also define our terms because, like, the way I've always defined jealousy is like, you know, um, I don't like that. Uh, well, it's, it's coming from a place of insecurity, but it's like, you know, saying that so-and-so has something that I want and I feel like that person shouldn't be able to have it uh, versus, say, envy, where uh, like I've always defined envy as like so-and-so has something and I wish I had it too as opposed to saying, you know, I want to take it from you. You know, it's like saying that, you know, I've been envious of, like, especially before I had any re relationship experience, I was always very envious of people that were in relationships because I was like, I want that for myself, not necessarily that specific girl, but like just that kind of thing I want for myself uh, versus like feeling like I have to take it from them. Um, but then I guess that jealousy in the context of a relationship is sort of that fear of like, oh, am I being cuckolded? Am I, you know, having this person taken away from me? And um, well, in the first relationship that I had, it was a little different because we were we went to two different colleges. We were an hour apart. Um, we didn't see each other all that often. We largely had two separate lives. Um, so it was. And I didn't have any luck with the girls in my own university. Uh, and uh, But then when the breakup happened, I was the one who broke it up. And um, it was an easier separation to make, um, largely because we had separate lives. Um, but then, like, with uh, the second relationship, um, we didn't really... And, the, like, the first relationship, there was some jealousy on her behalf because, like especially towards the latter half of the relationship where I wasn't satisfied and I was kind of looking for outside options, uh, not like in a kind of infidelity kind of way, but more so in like the grass is greener on the other side kind of way. Um, but like, uh, you know, with the second relationship, neither one of us really believed in jealousy. And, you know, we talked about like, and also because we were both in the world of, you know, film and that kind of stuff where, 
you know, saying, you know, so-and-so is handsome or pretty or whatever, where that's just sort of expected. Um, we didn't really think that that was constructive or got us anywhere. Um, you know, so we would say, oh, yeah, so-and-so is pretty or so-and-so is, you know, handsome or whatever, and that didn't bother us. Um, and I thought that was great because it meant that there was no fears of, of anything irrational or stupid or anything like that. Now, looking back on it, I kind of feel like it was more so of like her not wanting to get fully committed and, and to always have that safety line out, you know, by because uh, she didn't really want to be in a relationship at first, even though even though she clearly liked me. And I just got her to finally be honest that she did like me. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, I got first, I thought that was great. Now I kind of feel like it was more of a sign of her just not being a fully committed person. Uh, because if she was, then she might have had more of that, like, fight for the person that you have kind of mentality. And I don't think she had that. So that's that's another thing about her that I wouldn't want again in retrospect is I would want someone that would want to fight for me and for the relationship uh, doggedly in the same way that I that I was you know because I wanted to I fought for her you know very much too like it wasn't I don't want it to be construed as like having been an open relationship or anything because it wasn't um, but it was just such that I feel like she wasn't in it to win it nearly as much as I was and I I am very much that kind of person, you know, I'm either committed to something or I'm not, you know. I think, um, like I said, I, I am a jealous person, but you need to give me reasons. That, that's, yeah. It's like if we, we are somewhere else, somebody come talk to you, I don't know my. I would wait to see what your reaction, if you act weird, like trying to avoid me or something, that's different. That's something to a reason. But I'm very like overprotected, I guess, um, because I came from a different culture. And in Brazil, women don't respect married men. Mm -hmm. Married men don't respect anything either. And that's one of the big reasons I never want to have a Brazilian uh, husband or boyfriend, because that bothers me, you know. And even here in Canada. Canada and some cases sometimes I'm in the restaurant with you know with my boyfriend whatever I see a married guy with kids looking at me and smile and and look you know those look like oh I want you in this make me angry you know why make me angry because guys have to realize that if you looking at another woman and you're your woman is right there or she knows you have somebody don't think that she gonna be I'm I'm talking about like here like in my case, I don't think, oh, yeah, he's look at me, he wants, no. I say, you are an asshole. You have kids, you have wife, you have girlfriend, and you want somebody else? How dare you? You are a type of guy that I don't want it. So he have to realize that what you are showing that woman is that what she doesn't want it. Because if you do that for your girlfriend, your wife, she knows you're going to do the same to her. That's simple. You know. Yeah, which and I've I've never I'm like the kind of person I prize loyalty really heavily, and I wouldn't you know I don't really like the thought of someone being disloyal to me or me being disloyal to them, uh, and I haven't you know 
I think the worst that I've ever done was just more kind of think about like maybe the grass is greener on the other side uh, with my first girlfriend, mostly because things weren't going so well. But like, you know, I never uh, did anything um, that would be construed as being, you know, infidelity or anything like that. And that's just not what I it's not what I believe in, because that's just I don't know, like I can't even fathom being that way. Um, and it's certainly not what I would want from my from my partner. I do kind of fear that me being kind of like, and it's something I'm having to work on. I feel like I've been too, too gentle, too understanding, too kind of mild mannered. I think I don't think women respect that. I don't think people respect that in general. Um, so I'm I'm needing to embrace the other side. You know, more of the the shadow side. Part of why I. So the women in college, they did not like me. They treated me pretty badly. Um, partially, I think it was my own fault. I wasn't really like socially well adjusted at the time, uh, but also like they didn't really care to give me a chance. They tended to regard me with a lot of fear and a lot of like, uh, you know, the, the analogy that I always used was it was almost as if I had a sign around my neck that said, warning, potential rapist, you know, and um, that's really how they treated me. And I mean, again, to a certain extent, I because I wasn't very socially well adjusted, I probably didn't help myself much. But at the same time, it's like I would have liked to have had more you know, more people willing to give me a chance than I necessarily encountered. And, uh, you know, it was such that my reaction to that was to say, okay, I'm going to work really, really hard to be as not scary as possible and, and to, like, give them no reason to be afraid of me because me just being myself clearly wasn't working. And it was clearly throwing, it was turning them off and it was making them think I was creepy or whatever. And I'm sure, you know, at that time I probably was because I was pretty socially maladjusted. Um, and, uh, you know, so my counter reaction was to just work, uh, go out of my way to be as not scary as possible. Now, I did unlearn a lot of habits that would have continued to trip me up if I hadn't un unlearned them. But, you know, now it's such that I need to learn how to be more, and I'm, I'm working on it, but learn how to be more like assertive and confident and stuff, because that's apparently what women really like. And, um, yeah, it's just, again, it, it didn't help that in college, all I ever heard about was, you know, about, uh, I, that's when I got exposed to terms, you know, like rape culture and, uh, you know, that they, were really on guard against all of like the frat boy types, you know, who were uninhibited in all kinds of ways, some of which were good, most of which were bad. Um, they're total, those kinds of guys totally uninhibited, uninhibited. And they're the kinds of guys that would, you know, actually go out and like potentially rape a woman. Um, and so they're on guard against every kind of guy. And, you know, so it just, it didn't help me at that critical juncture in my life, but now I'm needing to just try to find the balance somewhere because I tried being myself at that critical juncture and it didn't work. I tried really, really hard to not be scary. And so I, you know, was able to prevent some notably, most notably bad episodes from reoccurring. But, uh, 
yeah, I just, I haven't really had a lot of luck in terms of like, you know, attracting women to me, but I think uh, if I can be more confidence oriented, be more purpose driven, all that kind of stuff, and I think that'll probably help. So then if you could go back on time, you will want it to meet her again and start the relationship or no? Uh, with my ex, um, I mean, it's one of those things where it's kind of like a chicken and egg situation where, you know, you, uh, to a certain extent, you, the stuff that you learn through the failed relationship is kind of invaluable, but how can you know it if you haven't been in it? Um, I think if I knew who she really was, then I probably wouldn't have gotten into the relationship, but at the same time, um, you know, it's like you can't know that until it happens, but also, like, when the times were good, they were good, and, um, you know, the, the, I, I, what I miss the most is, like, the, the feeling I miss terribly is, you know, that, the, the feeling of the early days when you felt like you were really connected to this person, and when she really loved you for who you were, and accepted you fully, and that kind of stuff, and, um, I felt really just loved completely and I remembered feeling like the warmth you know kind of of her body next to mine as we would sit on the couch and like watch a movie or something and you know that to me like I would give anything to feel that again um and that's the part I really miss um as far as like the the person I if I knowing who she really is and knowing what all I know now I wouldn't get in that relationship but it it's like you can't know it until you've been through it i i do want very badly for that feeling to come back and i want it to last you know with the right person i don't want that feeling to go away and that's probably the thing that i have the hardest time dealing with is like those good feelings or those good times that those good connections that don't last um you know, when, because uh, I've had a lot of, like, tumultuous changes in my life, and I've moved around a bunch of times. I'm used to people coming and going in my life. I would really love it if, like, at least one person would stay, you know, and would remain consistent, something that you could kind of stake your life on um, and trust that that person's not going away. Uh, because most people go away. Most people don't have that sense of loyalty or or it's not due to anything nefarious it's just you know people move away or something happens you know and it just it's very hard on me to not have those people that will stick around um but uh you know maybe maybe someone in the future will stick around i don't know it's uh that would be the hope anyway but no i wouldn't i wouldn't date her if i knew what i know about her now Okay, now is a tough question. Do you still love her? No. No, I don't. I don't. I know I don't. I I Do you I, have um like anger? That's why you saying you don't because you angry to what happened? Well, I do have anger for sure, um, but I 
I'm also the kind of person that it's like after people have crossed certain lines with me, out they go, never to return. Um, no second chance ever? Well, it depends on the severity of, like, like, that's what I mean, like, when they cross certain lines with me. If it's relatively minor, then, you know, sure. Um, but, like, certain things, you know, certain acts of disloyalty or certain acts of, like, you hurt me this badly, you know, it's like, I can't forgive that. I can't, um, I can't let that go. Um, because to do so would be to betray myself and my own interests and my own values. Um, at least that's kind of how I've seen it. Everybody keeps telling me to move on and to, uh, to let it go and all that stuff. And it's not like I'm obstinately holding on to it. It's more so that the anger will not leave. Like it will just physically not dislodge from me. And it's mostly because the injustice is still there and the, uh, the the feeling of having been wronged is still there it's like you know everything you've ever heard about like vengeful spirits you know why do they stay and haunt wherever they are it's because there's some wrong that hasn't been righted and they have the unfinished business and all that stuff like that's if you believe in that sort of thing that's classically like why that occurs um and for me, it, it feels kind of similar to that, where it's like there is like this great wrong that hasn't been righted. And, uh, you know, so for her, it's like I and I told her to her face, I said, you know, as far as like I, I if if I were in her shoes and I were going through a hard time, I would I said to her explicitly, if I if this had happened to me, I would never have done what you did to me in a million years. You know, and I told her that numerous times, and it just didn't seem to cut any ice with her. I was trying to get her to possibly see the error of her ways and to recant and to say, you know, this is wrong. You know, we, we love each other. We should see this through. Didn't happen. And, uh, you know, because it's true, I, I would not have just cut 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 and run without having put in the work. Like, for it wasn't even the fact that... Uh, it wasn't even the fact that the relationship didn't work out. It was that it didn't work out specifically because she cut and ran without having put in the work. And while I think having taken advantage of me, having used me, having left me worse off than I was prior to getting into the relationship. Um, you know, so it's like, I felt like, and also like, I felt like things were actively stolen from me specifically, like my, sense of joy and sense of hope for the future as far as relationships go uh, I felt like that was stolen from me and like I felt like I'd really hit the jackpot with this person and then to have it be made such a mockery of and to have have been cheated out of the person that I thought I had gotten it's like that really got to me and um, and also just like if if she'd have like actively put in the work and it still didn't work, and we both kind of came to the conclusion that, you know, this isn't working, then I would have been fine with that because she would have put in the work and, you know, and we would have given it our best shot. The fact that she just sort of gave up and didn't even try and left me shattered and didn't seem to care, if anything, she was better off, or at least that's the image that she projected. Uh, you know, she seemed like she was better off as a result. It was like, that really got to me pretty good. And uh, and also just like, again, when people cross those kinds of lines, when they cut me that deeply, I have no problem 
removing them from my heart and casting them out forever and ever till the end of time. Like that's actually very easy for me to do. Um, and I've done it numerous times with friends, with family, with my first girlfriend. Uh, now, to be fair, I did reconnect with my first girlfriend years later. Not, not so much in terms of wanting to get back together, because I didn't. It was more so just like wanting to bury the hatchet and to try to... Because I have a tendency to hold grudges, and I have a tendency to... Uh, you know, when people have hurt me, I've had a tendency to not ever forget it and to not forgive and that kind of stuff. And in that case, it was different because I was the person that caused her a lot of pain because I broke it off. But I just wanted to bury the hatchet a bit and to leave fewer bodies in my wake, you know, as possible. Because I have had, when I've had falling out, fallings out uh, with people, uh, it's tended to be pretty ugly. And so I have wanted to try to and also partially it's because I'm used to people not changing. I'm used to people in fact getting worse over time and not improving. Um, so that's another reason is that it's like if they're this way now, they're probably going to always be this way, if not worse than they are now. And so, you know, it's, uh, and I, I have tried to do my best to like give people the chance to improve and to see if, if I can disprove my own theory, but it's pretty much always been that they've gotten worse. Um, now, in my late, more recently, I've seen a few examples of people having made noticeable improvements, but it's very rare. Most people are not really self-aware. Most people don't prioritize self-improvement. Most people just go about their way, you know, blissfully unaware of everything. And, uh, yeah, so that's another reason why I, I feel like I have to fight for my own interests more so than ever. But, I mean, for her, it's like, no, I don't love her anymore. And, uh, yeah, I, I, ha I have a surprising amount of compassion for her in my talk about her now. But, like, for the most part, f from the breakup to now, it's mostly been just pretty venomous hatred of her. But I, I have, I'm surprised to hear myself have more compassionate things to say. I think largely because I do the grandma thing, like I said, nobody could help that. Uh, and that, that really was a big underlying factor. It was more so just her response to it. And then all the really bad stuff that it led to that were totally her decisions that were the wrong choices, uh, that did hurt me very deeply. Cause again, if, if, uh, if she'd have put in the work and it still didn't work, then I wouldn't feel the way that I do now. Um, but no, I don't, I'm the kind of, I do not subscribe to the idea of, you know, oh, that didn't work out, but I never stopped loving the person. You know, I don't subscribe to that. You know, I tend to think that like a person, you know, it's like a person either passes the loyalty test or they don't. And, uh, if they decide that they're going to be disloyal and they're going to betray you, out they go never to return, that's it, you know, and I don't look back. I'm the kind of person that can feel very comfortable in, in doing that because if you're not the ruler of your own life, if you don't hold the keys to your own kingdom, then who will, you know, everybody but you? That's true. Um, then, if she's watching this video right now, what you would say to him? Well, I mean, so... It's possible. 
It's possible. Well, hands. well, I mean, so what you learn. Well, I don't, I don't, the truth is that I really, like I say all the stuff that I say and I mean it, but at the same time, it's like anybody that is suffering from an addiction or is suffering from whatever problems they have, it's like, I don't want people to continually suffer from those problems like I always want people to improve and I I've certainly tried to do my part to make uh the situation better I try to do that for everybody um and again perhaps to my detriment and that's something that I'm learning to not do so I mean if on the off chance things were to turn around for her in some way you know I would hope that it were to happen for the right reasons you know that she kind of took a look within herself and realized, you know, I need to change the way that I treat people. I need to, you know, change the way I treat myself, all that stuff. I would hope that any kind of improvement in her life that would arise would be because she looked inside and didn't like what she saw and really put in the work to improve it. Um, what I don't want to see is I don't want to see her life improve uh, for because I don't want her bad behavior to be rewarded. I don't want, you know, people to be, because what happens is like when people, certain people, when they behave badly, the world rewards it, rewards them when it shouldn't. Uh, other times, if other kinds of people behave badly in a different way, the world does not reward it. Uh, but certain types of bad behavior, especially like self-indulgence and self-absorption, bravado, uh, you know, uh, being uh kind of advertising oneself as like the greatest thing that's ever lived all that stuff we tend to our society at least in the united states we tend to reward that kind of behavior and i don't think we should and my ex was the kind of person that she like heavily cultivated a in an image of success and an image of you know having her life totally together and being famous and being successful she wasn't any of those things and I think that having the slightest crack in the armor, you know, exposed the whole thing. And, um, you know, so my hope is that if she were to have success in her life or, or to be in a better place, that it would come about because she had to kind of destroy herself in order to remake herself into something better than what she is now, because that's what I've had to do. Um, I would hope that it wouldn't come about as a reward for her bad behavior, because if it if it were to come about as a result of her bad behavior, then that's no kind of improvement at all. Uh, that's just enabling. So, you know, I it's more so like I would it's just the kind of imp wish for improvement that I would wish for anybody. I don't really I don't particularly wish her well relative to what all she did to me and how badly she left me damaged. Um, and how much she hurt me and everything. Um, I did learn a whole lot though. You know, I did learn a lot about um, myself, about the stuff that I did wrong, as far as like, I feel like I gave too much of myself and I, I sacrificed too much of myself because I feel like, uh, I always thought love was sacrifice. I always thought that love meant doing anything for a person and being willing to give up things that matter to you in service of a greater good. And I mean, I still think that that's largely true, but it shouldn't come about as a result of 
you know, you shouldn't be destroying yourself for the sake of another person. And I do feel like to a certain extent that I, I made a lot more concessions than I should have. I should not have tolerated anywhere near as much as what I did. And, uh, you know, it just, uh, I should have had the courage to say, you know, you shape up or you ship out, you know, which is what I'm going to say to to the next person. If, if the, if my hand were to be forced, I would have to say that and be stern about it because I know what the alternative is. And also, I just think that people don't like people that are willing to be subservient and subjugate themselves to someone else. People don't respect that kind of behavior. Um, and I think I did that way too much, mostly because I felt I, I thought that she felt the same way about me. I thought that she would uh, be willing to do anything for me, and she clearly wasn't. And uh, so you can't put your life in the hands of someone that, you know, doesn't really want it. And uh, so, I mean, any kind of well wishes I would have for her would be the same well wishes that I would have for anybody uh, rather than her specifically because I still am not in a good mental state, you know, as a result of what she did to me. I still struggle with anger and hatred and that kind of stuff. Um, and it's not like I'm holding on to it deliberately. It's because it will just not leave because the the feeling of having been wronged is still there. The only way I can see it going away is if I were to just have enough time or if uh, I were to get distracted by it. Like the, the best thing to happen to me for the heartbreak was the pandemic because I was in such fight or flight mode for so long that I didn't have time to think about my heartbreak as much as I did before. And that when my life kind of stabilized that's when a lot of the pain came back and the feeling of like you know feeling like something was missing from my life and uh you know so i've been struggling with that lately but uh you know i don't i would never ever ever take her back in a million years uh because again people they do certain things to you that preclude them from ever getting back into your good graces and into your heart you know because if if think about the alternative if i were to take her back then i would be betraying everything that i believe in and uh i believe in rewarding people who are loyal and rewarding people who you know don't who have your best interests at heart and who do right by you uh consistently i think if i was here i'm not defending her okay yeah. I'm just saying, as a woman, everybody makes mistakes, right? And the way I see maybe in that time, that relationship was not what she was looking for, what yeah. she was happy, how her life was. So basically, she broke up with you uh, without thinking about you but about her and normally we do things what's good for us right special marriage is a big decision and i think she saw that as that's it if i do get married i'm stuck forever because i make a commitment so i think that's why she back out because she was not ready maybe she did 
love you, but not to the point of spend the rest of her life because she was not ready. She was not ready physically, mentally, and, you know, in the environment that she probably wanted. So if she does come back to you, it's basically because she did try to be in her own to figure out what she really wanted. And maybe she did have other experience with the guys that was not like you, was different. Showing her that, you know, there are way bad guys up there. There is way lots of people that not going to give you what you wanted. And maybe she would find out that she did have with you. And you're the guy that did appreciate her and give everything that she needed. But she was blind and could not see that. So she have to be away from you to figure that things out. So I think you should not think that way of, you know what, that's it, that's it. No, because to be honest, I think you still love him. But the anger that you have because you realize that she was so selfish and she did not love and appreciate you as much you did to him. And that's why that anger still around. I'm not saying that you should take her back or whatever. But I think when there is love, and maybe sometimes people have to stay away to figure out that was really love. And I'm pretty sure if that come back and she say, yes, I do. I want to marry you. It's because she probably now know for sure. Because she already see what was up there. But for she did that. She make you hurt a lot. So one way she see what she want in the same way, make you question. Should I give you a chance or not? So she risk a lot. If she does have the intention, this is a message for you, girl, if you're listening. If you do have a message, uh, uh, intention to go back to Dan, then now have the feelings that you did have before when you say no to him. Now she, he have that question mark. He's not sure can trust you and give everything that he gave to you anymore because he figured that you did not deserve it. You well, I wouldn't. The truth is, like, even if she did come back to me, which I don't think she would, but even if she did, I would... I just wouldn't. You know, I would never, ever indulge that even a little bit because that would just be a total betrayal of myself at that point and you know i i just i just the thought of that in fact is kind of a I mean, this isn't like a, a dig at you or anything i just said so don't take this the wrong way but like just thinking about that in my head it's like i i would be so disgusted at myself for having betrayed myself you know my own interests like if i were to do that then i would have lost all all sense of morality at that point um you know because i don't really i don't like to reward people that treat me poorly uh and especially people that make me so depressed and so filled with pain that i want to not live anymore you know like i really did not want to live i was in that much pain and um you know, it's like even now, like when I think about it, it's like I still sometimes I hear like the the call of like, you know, wanting to end all this 
this pain and this these feelings of like you know that was it you know that was my one chance of happiness all my dreams are dead you know all of my my hopes for the future and stuff like i will hear that voice in my head like it's very faint now it's not as loud and screaming at me in the way that it was at the time but like uh, i do sometimes hear it in faint little whispers you know like I, it happened like even just last night um and it's you know because i'm still in a lot of pain um and i didn't really realize just how much pain i was still in um but you know just again to that would mean that she won and that uh and that i gave up my own pride and my own sense of of what's right and and you know just the thought of that would actually be more disgusting than if i were to kill myself because if i did then it would be doing it because of you know and i don't not advocating for this at all but like you know, it's like it just theoretically, if I were to do that, you know, to end this pain or whatever, it would be in service of like, you know, feeling like, uh, you know, I didn't give in to, I didn't give in to this person um, f just being able to turn me on and off like a light switch, you know, and be able to come back whenever it was convenient, you know. It basically what it would mean to her or to anybody, what it would mean is that actions have consequences, you know, that you do, you treat someone poorly and you drive them to that much of a sense of despair, they might either take their own lives or they might even try to take your life, you know, and I'm not really a homicidally oriented person, but it's like, you know, if she were to do that to someone else, then maybe they wouldn't take it so kindly. And, uh, that's why you always have to be very aware of how you treat people because there are people who will not forget, they won't forgive, and some of them may have nefarious intentions. And, uh, or, you know, like in my case, like, you know, you can hurt so much that you may find out that they died. And, you know, it's much, now to be fair, like, I, I would have enough confidence in myself that I probably wouldn't uh, attribute it to what I did, even though. That I see, I'm kind of undoing my own argument as I say that because I'm trying to attribute responsibility to something that, uh, to something that is ultimately an individual's choice. Like if I were to do that, then it would be my own choice uh, ultimately. Um, but it, it's more so to say that it's it's an after effect. I wouldn't. I don't really attribute those kinds of personal choices to like a strict cause and effect necessarily because the person who does it has to choose to do it to themselves but like uh it's more so like you know for me it's like don't be surprised if people bottom line is don't be surprised if people don't take certain things so well and that they act in extreme ways uh as a result um i don't but, like you if mm -hmm. you because um, I'm not very forgiving uh -huh. because I believe that when you're giving forgiving is not for that person it's for yourself to make excuse that was it's okay yeah what they done when so, I, I I don't like this is a little side rant here but like people nowadays they've kind of redefined the word forgiveness to mean you letting go of you, it's almost it, they define forgiveness as if it's like you forgiving yourself or you taking your own pain away because i always thought forgiveness was that i thought about like just the classical definition of like 
you are an authority figure, you absolves you of your, your sin, your wrongdoing, that kind of stuff. It's usually something that someone else has to give you versus, you know, but like people have redefined that to mean that you just decide to stop hurting, even though the person still got away with, you know, what they did that hurt you. Like and that, that is a discord in my brain that I've not been able to reconcile. I don't know how or why people think that that's an acceptable definition of forgiveness because it's not to me. Um, to I me, that if you still remember, it's because you're still hurting too. Yeah, one well, and, and now to be fair, like the sentiment of what they're saying is that you learn to let things go, which is fine, but call it that. Don't call it forgiveness because forgiveness is a very specific thing. To me, that's just learning how to let things go, which I admit I'm not very good at, or at least I haven't been, without a lot of time and a lot of just avoidance of like things that bring up that pain, you know. Not so much avoidance of the pain itself, but like not having to constantly be reminded of it does help you to heal. Um, you know what's my definition of forgiving? What? If I say forgive, that means, okay, I'm not going to get revenge on you. Yeah, which... <laughs> no and revenge. I, and all the all this stuff that I'm saying here, like... You know, it's like, oh, what if she were watching right now? I mean, she would be horrified that I'm even bringing anything up uh, about the past. And it's like, I'm not doing anything slanderous or anything, uh, you know, that's untrue. I mean, all I'm doing is telling the truth of my own side of the story. And, uh, you know, that alone was enough to make her freak out. Um, and, uh, you know, but... Let me know who is she, so... Well, that, but like, but even if they do, it's like, so what? Because you can't, nobody can control your side of the story and how, how, what happened made you feel, you know, they can't control that. And, um, you know, I haven't said anything that's, uh, that's untrue or anything. It's just like, that she's the kind of person that would try to very heavily, uh, orchestrate her own image and, uh, would try to, uh, make it such that, you know, there were very certain things about her that were said and certain things that were absolutely not said. And it's like you do that too much and you get a dishonest version of who the person is. And, you know, she tried to do as much preemptive damage control as possible upon the breakup. And I didn't, I could have reacted a whole lot worse, you know, than I did. Um, but, uh, you know, anything that I've said, I've been willing to defend and been willing to, you know, speak about candidly. I'm not doing like the typical, like, just say everything was terrible, everything was awful, all that stuff. You know, I, I give credit where credit's due, uh, but it's, but I, I'm not going to lie about how I feel. I'm not going to pretend like I wish for her, you know, nothing but good things or anything. It's like if she, the only way I would is if she really, if the person that she decided to become, if that person would get completely destroyed and that way the person, the best version of herself, the version that I thought that I had fallen in love with, that that version of her could arise um, as a result. Because I, I really felt like she changed into a different person, or at least that's how it seemed to me. You know, people, they start off a certain way when you meet them and then they get worse over time because I guess that the mask comes down. Um, 
But it's like, if she could learn to be the best version of herself, then maybe I would wish better for her, but I don't think she's capable of it. And uh, even if she did magically decide to do that, I still wouldn't let her back into my life. I would never let her back into my life, you know, because there are certain things that you just don't do to a person and expect things to be all right. You just don't. Um, And, uh, you know, it's... uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't want to. I don't want that to be how I feel. I want to be like, oh, everything is fine. You know, all forgiving. I don't have any. I'm not hurting. I don't have any feelings of any kind. I'm just a robot. You know, that's how I would love to be, but I, I can't. You know, I'm. I think uh, being a human being means that you you feel you can get you can get wounded and you can get hurt and you but you also fight for your own interests and you stand up for your beliefs and you know it's like you know if you were to not have that then you would have no morality left and everything would be permissible and i've i'm kind of past the stage in my life where things are certain things are permissible you know like i i've I think I've tried, I've tried the really tolerant, really like, uh, you know, accepting kind of thing with, and I, I still am that way with just people I know, but like, as far as like, if you get to a certain place in the inner circle, then you've got to abide by the, by the rules. And if you don't, then you can't progress because I've seen what the alternative is where you just let any old person in and they cause all manners of damage to you before they leave, you know, off on their merry way, and they don't ever feel the consequences of what they've done. And, uh, you know, so it's just, it's, uh, I think that it's just me learning what my principles really are. That's true, that's true. Thank you so much, Dan, and I do appreciate that you come here in my channel and, you know, um, volunteer to give the interview with me and open up your heart and your feelings, you know. I know it's not easy to come up as, you know, break up, especially when we love someone, right? We're dedicating so much. And I, so- and I did, uh, I did love her, com- that's, that's, see, that's the thing, it's like, do I still love her or whatever? Well, the thing is, like, I did one like two hundred percent, you know, love her, and that's perhaps the problem is that it was two hundred percent, and for her, it wasn't, you know, even approaching fifty, or at least that's how it seemed to me. And but I really loved her completely, and that's why I fought so hard. And so it's like after having done all of that and having come out worse off than then I came into the relationship. Would I love that person even in the face of all of that? No, you know, I wouldn't do that to myself because I've, you know, enough damage was done. I wouldn't contribute to it even further by still holding on to that person. I still, the, I miss more the feeling that I had in the early stage of the relationship. I don't miss the actual person. I just miss the feeling that I got from, and I, I just wish that that feeling could come back and I wish that it could be tied to someone that really deserved it, you know, and I, I feel like every time I open up about this, that I'm revealing like increasingly uglier parts of myself, uh, but I 
I do so because I want to be honest and I want to tell people that this is how I feel. Uh, I, Whenever I'm in a relationship or whatever, I do try to put my absolute best foot forward and to like commit 100% and to, you know, give everything to that person that I would want given to me. And, you know, it's just, I guess that I haven't really been able to find someone that was, uh, it hasn't really been a marriage of equals in terms of like who was willing to give as much as the other person was. And I think I gave way too much and they gave way too little. And so it was uneven, but I just, I find that people, the problem is I find that people don't really care about other people, uh, in terms of like showing signs of devotion and, you know, being willing to do things for them that matter and that show commitment and show loyalty and that kind of stuff. I just find that people don't really have that in them, or at least it doesn't seem like it to me. Um, and so I always feel bad whenever I talk about this stuff in, in this much detail, because it makes me sound like I'm this really hateful person. And it's like, you know, whenever I'm in a relationship or whatever, I, I try to be the polar opposite of that. And that's sort of the, the thing. It's like you, you cross that line and it's like you went from like, you know, your undying companion, undying defender to your worst enemy or to someone that just will not ever let you back in ever again, you know? And it's like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, begrudge anybody else to be that same way. I would, ex I would find it weird if they weren't that way if they decided to just roll over for somebody just because of whatever it's like well then you don't have any principles at all do you you know if you're willing to just roll over for someone again after all how much they've hurt you and after all that they've done to you and and that kind of stuff like to me that's that would be the ultimate in self-neglect and um i do think that i I, again, I put in too much. I didn't hold back nearly enough as much. I didn't hold back, uh, in a way that I perhaps should have. I, uh, you know, I just, the problem is like I've in my life, like when you haven't given it all, you can't expect people to give back even the minimum. And that's, that's just been the way it's been. And I'm hoping that like, it's, it's, it hasn't been nearly as bad in that department, like the older I've gotten, maybe because people, they learn over time to not be so selfish or, or maybe they've been hurt themselves and maybe it gives them perspective or something. But, um, you know, especially like when I was a teenager and in college and stuff, most people just didn't care whether you lived or died and you had to like really go out of your way to even get on people's radar. And, uh, you know, it's, a uh, I have to kind of learn to not be that way. Uh, but it's like, it just, you know, hopefully people, the older you get, hopefully people will be less inclined to be that way. I don't know. But I just, I feel like as much as I want to be, to be honest and to lay all the cards on the table and, you know, show everything warts and all, I don't want people to come away thinking that I'm just like this bitter, hateful person. I really, really try to, give my absolute best to everybody that I'm with as a friend or as a, as a, a partner or whatever. And, um, you know, when it, when people aren't willing to do the same for me, it, it hurts me pretty deeply.
No, I, I totally understand. But, um, you know, I do appreciate and I know you being so honest and I hope everybody um, would learn something or, you know, probably would be is in the same boat as you, you know, somebody would was hurt too as the same way. Uh, I just want to say thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for being so honest and so nice. And too bad, lady, you lost a nice guy. See? So, um, I know you're going to find someone that's going to give you all the love and caring that you deserve it. And I know for what you went through it, you're going to learn to don't give so much <laughs> you know take equally because like i i can see even in my my side too if you give too much sometimes people take advantage and just relax and just keep taking it and we feel after we lost so much because we lost time dedication love caring everything we dedicate everything so I hope you learned something from that and every hard time in life we always learn something and we become more stronger. And I can see that the way you think now, before you did not think about yourself, now you are thinking about yourself to the point to say, I would not take her back. Oh, certainly. Now you're thinking about what's good for you and she did not deserve you and you realize that. Yeah, well, and, and my biggest flaw, I think, in the relationship and in, uh, well, even just friendships, let alone romantic relationships, my biggest flaw that I've worked really hard to try to correct is that, so I came from a family where the parents kind of saw their children as being like extensions of themselves and not as like unique beings in and of themselves. Um, and so you know, the the emotions of the parents, they kind of, they were, how my parents were feeling, they kind of were how, that's how I was feeling. So I always tried to try to make them happy and try to please them and all that stuff. And that's just not a healthy way to be. And I see that now. Um, and I wasn't nearly as aware of it as I am now. So in other words, my giving so much was because I, uh, thought that that's what love was and I thought that you know it was all about uh how much of yourself can you give up and sacrifice and you know in service of something greater someone or something presumably greater than yourself it was just an extension of my childhood and so now I see just how unhealthy that really is and so now it's like you know treat yourself as if you are as important as you thought that your parents were you know treat yourself with that kind of of dignity and that kind of respect and you know uh and some people's parents treat them that they raise them to be that way and other times it you know it ends up being like the way it was for me but uh you know it's just something that i'm having to work on um but i would you know, I, I won't debase myself in that same way ever again, because I don't think that even the person that takes and takes, I think they do so because they don't, at their core, they don't respect someone like that. Um, and so they feel like they can take advantage of them. So, you know, I won't do that again. That's true. So thank you so much. So we end in this video that 
Uh, don't forget to subscribe to my YouTube channel and Dan's YouTube channel because I'm going to put the link here so you can find Dan. And uh, if you have any question, this video is going to go to the blog too. So we have a new blog. So you can be in touch with Dan, ask him any question you like to know or any advice. Right? So thank you so much, Dan, to join us. And if you like this video, put in like. And don't forget, this is our second relationship video. So go catch up with the first one. This one's the second. We have the third. That next we have the how then deals the coronavirus, you know. It uh, was like a thunder that come into everybody's life. And he's going to tell you how was his experience. And still, you know, because it's not over yet. Mm -hmm. So go check around. Stay tuned. Subscribe so you can be updated every time we post a video. Thank you, Dan. Kisses. Bye, Aww. everyone. Bye. Bye. Okay, wait. I need to stop here.